This is episode 453 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Starting the Engine of a Prepared Community. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, let me tell you a little bit about Audible. Now, Audible books were the inspiration for this podcast. I purposely don't add bumper music to the podcast because I want it to feel more like an audiobook that just starts and provides value. So I love to learn and grow through audiobooks and Audible makes that easy. So if you are not a member of Audible, you can join free for 30 days and start your Audible journey with two free audiobooks. The great thing about Audible is that you can cancel at any time and you keep the books that you have downloaded. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go, come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com slash audible. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from backdoorsurvival.com and it's a great article that uh, I'd love to be able to share with you. I'm glad to be able to share with you. And uh, it's it's written by James Walton of the I Am Liberty Show and IamLibertyShow.com. Now, of course, it's over at Backdoor Survival. And uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, some of these things that he has talked about, uh, that he's talked about here in this article, I know that I have talked about in articles that I have written as well. And it just makes a lot of sense to be able to uh, to tackle it from this point of view, because uh, I didn't tackle it from this point of view, but I think uh, he did a great job of sharing how you can start a prepared community or how you can get that, you know, moving in your community. Because really, when it's all said and done, that's what we want. We want, we know that that the lone wolf is not possible, right? That that's, that's very, very few people can go out there and live out there in the wilderness all by themselves. And a lot of us have families, most of us have families, and that's one reason why we prepare. We prepare because we want to be able to uh, be there for our families and support our families and, and you know give them everything that they need to be able to survive and thrive and all that kind of stuff in any kind of emergency. But another thing that we know too is that if the poop really hit the fan, that we just can't do that on our own. I mean, our four and and that's it. Our four no more. You know, living you know uh, in in a, a bug in situation in a neighborhood is not going to work. You really need to have a community. I mean, think about your neighborhood. Uh, you know, most suburban neighborhoods. Maybe you're living in the city. Maybe your apartment complex is going to be your neighborhood, right? Or or whatever it is, your community. You're going to need everyone to be able to to uh, garden, to be able to provide for uh, for medical needs, to pr- provide for uh, self-defense, to just have skills. I mean, because uh, within your neighborhood, you probably have people that know how to do plumbing and people who know how to garden and people who know how to skin, you know, and, and harvest animals and people who know all those, you know, herbal medicine and all that kind of stuff. And you, you want to be able to draw from all those different experiences because it's very hard for one person to know everything. And so um, if that's your situation, if you find yourself that you're going to be bugging in in a community, 
then you want to be able to build that up. Even if you are in more of a rural setting, you still want to build community. You still want to be able to know who your people are and and you want to have good relations with them and all that kind of stuff. But this one is really taking it more from, you know, like a neighborhood uh, viewpoint. But there's a lot of great information here. And so hopefully everyone will find this helpful. So let's go ahead and dive into this one. Again, coming to us from BackdoorSurvival.com, starting the engine of a prepared community. All over the world, on all sides of the world, people are waking up to the self-imposed isolation of mankind. It is a realization that supersedes much of the political and cultural division in our world. All signs are pointing towards a return to the community as a solution to battle the perils of this technological shroud that has overcome many of us. While the idea of a prepared community is no new thing, the start has always been the trouble. Oftentimes, we overlook our own neighborhood because of the fear of rejection when we bring up the topic of preparedness. It's this fear of rejection that has forced us into our homes and behind the screen for most of our free time. So, the community garden. There is a very safe first step that can be taken by anyone in any neighborhood in America. It's the idea of starting some form of a community garden. The reason we start with the community garden is that it's virtually impossible to discredit or reject the idea. Most people are going to fall in love with the idea of a community garden. Now that we understand how much our health is tied to what we eat, people are growing more of their own food. The increase in home gardens and community gardens has been astounding in recent years. Between 2008 and 2013, community gardening grew up to 200%. 42 million households in America are now growing a home garden or are involved with a community garden according to the same statistics. And there's a link there for you. So this is a quote. Five years ago, we started our first community garden. A simple email to the Civic Association spurred the conversation and from there we were off to the races. Well, not exactly. I was given a $300 check to make a garden happen in a small park in our neighborhood. All told, we came away with two raised beds, good soil, and some plants that would all become deer food. That first year was basically a total failure. Now, okay, so let me interject here. That's not a total failure. That was a big learning experience, all right? I guess it's the way you look at it. All right, continuing on. The garden group grew, and by next year, we had fenced-in area and expanded it to four times its original size. Today, we are using a space that is near 10 times the size of our first garden and producing food for neighbors as well as adding an incredible feature to our park and our community as a whole. Whether you use an open piece of land at a local park or a plot in your neighborhood, you will have the help you need. People will jump on the idea. If you have no land to grow on, consider growing home gardens and having a community garden market. This is where produce is collected during the harvest and handed out during a weekend produce stand where neighbors share what they have grown. In time, you will begin to grow a contingency of neighbors who communicate, work together, and just interact on the subject of the garden. All right, so let me go ahead and stop right here. I think this is a great idea, but with some caveats here. Um, so I, I do know that a community garden can be very, very successful. And I'm going to tell you two different, two different scenarios here or two different stories. 
Um, the first one is my father-in-law. So when they lived in an area of town where there was a community garden and you actually had to get on a waiting list to have a, like a row of, of a raised bed, right? And so he got on that waiting list. I think it took about a year and then he was able to garden it and he was very successful at it. He, he really enjoyed it. And so this was a place that was kind of fenced in. I, I don't know all the specifics, but I know that it was fenced in and people in the community would go and they would garden and they had their little plot that was given to them or, you know, rented out or however they, they did that. So I thought, man, that was great. I mean, that, this was kind of way before I got into preparedness and uh, I thought that was great. And he really enjoyed it. And, and you know, he grew he grew a lot of vegetables. So when I became an assistant principal, the school that I was at, we were very lucky to have one of the first uh, community gardens, uh, you know, at, at one of the campuses. And so the PTO paid somebody, a consultant who would come in and she would she would do more than just the gardening. But uh, she focused primarily on third grade and she would come in and do lessons once a week during science. They would do lessons maybe like they had a butterfly garden because um, that was really big from second grade. And so they would do a butterfly garden. They would do, you know, talk about composting. They would they would uh, actually do vegetables and stuff like that and and weed. And, and it was I thought it was a great experience. And coming from preparedness, I thought, man, this is really something kids need to know because a lot of the times what kids get in in school are you know they might plant the lima bean in the styrofoam cup and then you know they get to take it home after it germinates and they see a little bit of green popping up but then that's all there is and it dies and and they never get to really see the fruit from it here they actually got to um you know pull pull carrots out of the ground and radishes and then towards the end of the year, they would have like a big salad. I mean, all the kids would eat salad. It was like a big deal, right? Uh, and uh, you know, they were able to eat lettuce that they that they grew in the in the garden, and tomatoes and carrots and all those different kinds of things. I thought it was really really great that they were able to do that. And uh, now, I mean, there's a lot of other campuses that do this, and so I thought that was great. So this same lady. Um, as a, as a consultant, I would always go out and talk with her because, you know, gardening was something that, that I was interested in and, and, uh, I would always get advice from her and we would always talk a little bit and I'd talk about how, you know, she needed to promote herself so that she could, you know, uh, you know, make this a viable business for herself and all those types of things. And one time we met for coffee and she was talking about her church and and what her church was trying to do and uh, to do uh, to bring people in and bring a younger crowd in. And I asked if they had property because I'd written an article. Actually, I, I think I still have it available. I need to release it on Ed That Matters because it used to be on another uh, another website that I had. But anyway, that's uh, I got to remember that. But it, so I talked about that. That would be an idea that I would think that would bring in new people into the church, at least to the community. And you can say, hey, we have this community garden. We are giving away or you know, renting out or uh, allowing people to have plots or rows you know, for the gardening or growing season. You know, is this something that you would like? And put it, put it out there. And she was like, Todd, we already did that. And no one showed up. No one wanted to be part of it. And so basically you had garden beds who just just grew weeds and we were out there just kind of weeding it and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of church members that wanted, but nobody in the community really wanted to be a part of it. And so you have, you know, you have that, uh, that aspect of it. And it could have been because it was a church 
maybe it might be a different thing if it was really in a neighborhood in a community you know when i look at big plots of land like at parks and different things uh where i'm at i'm always thinking about man how that could be turned into a community garden or or raised bed or not even raised beds but it could just be you know just just you can till the soil to get it going or do a lasagna layer method or whatever you know whatever it is to get it going and that would be very easy to do, and that would bring the community together. So um, just a couple of thoughts there. Again, I, I saw it work really, really well, and then I saw it, well, I've heard, where it didn't work very well, where it was coming from a church. Now, it could have been that the way that they were marketing it and advertising it and getting it out there, maybe that, that wasn't successful. But um, from from what I understand what she told me, they tried pretty hard to get it out there and get people in interested into gardening. So anyway, so there's all different kinds of ways of doing it, but I think that's uh, it's a great way to 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 navigate out there and uh, to talk a little bit about preparedness without talking about preparedness. I know that here in my neighborhood, we they do like a gardening tour, and uh, I don't I don't know any other way of explaining it. I can't remember the specific name, but. You know there are there are older people who garden and they don't necessarily garden vegetables. They're gardening different plants and roses and all that type of stuff. And so, at some given point in the, in the spring, they will travel from house to house. You know, and they, they might have cookies and tea or whatever, or whatever you know those these people do. But I know that they go around from house to house and they kind of show off their garden uh, for you know for a few minutes or you know thirty minutes or however that works. And then they go on to the next one and, and they do that. So, you know, there, there's people around here in my neighborhood that I know that would be open to gardening. And so, you know, that's that's a thing to consider. So that's a good thing, right? Because people already know how to work with the soil and, and, and that type of stuff. So, you know, that's one of those things to consider if you are wanting to help your neighborhood become better prepared. So let's go ahead and, and move on. The next one is communications network. Every neighborhood across America should have a form of a communication network. It's 2018. There's no reason why we should exist in a vacuum in our neighborhoods. It's less fulfilling. It's more of a hassle. And in a disaster, you really feel alone on the wide ocean. There are a number of ways that you can start an email group, Facebook page, or other communications method for your neighborhood. In fact, your first bunch of members will be that community gardening group that you have already created. They can be the start of your communications network. Now, I recommend an app called Nextdoor. This is a great way for neighbors to stay in touch and offer many more benefits along the way. Nextdoor is a social media app that is geared toward connecting neighborhoods. It has a lot of great features and even allows you to see who will be participating this year for Halloween with a great interactive map. So there's a quote here. Before things like snowstorms and hurricanes or even serious thunderstorms, we use this app to check in. We check on our elderly neighbors to assure they have everything they need. This communications model allows us to get the neighborhood as prepared for a coming disaster as possible. This has also become a key element in reporting crimes or suspected criminal activity. There are really no limits to what you can achieve with quality communication. And most importantly, we get to learn about our neighbors and promote and share talents, among many other things. This app gives us a better idea of who lives around us and what their motivations are. That is priceless. 
While it might all sound a bit silly when disaster strikes, you will be able to check up on neighbors, make plans, and offer advice before and maybe after if the power holds up. Now open those lines of communication and start to strengthen your neighborhood. Okay, so I love this here and I have experience. And like I said, I've talked about this uh, before, not necessarily in building community, but in getting information. So the Facebook group, there is a Facebook group for my area of town, not necessarily my neighborhood. Now, my neighborhood does have a Facebook group, but it's not very active. But there is a Facebook group for my area of town, and it's basically more along the lines of crime. And so if there's ever a crime or something is going on or whatever, you can go there. Now, like when the hurricane happened, and uh, not necessarily Hurricane Harvey, uh, I think the, the tax day flood, we had a big tax day flood here about a year before Hurricane Harvey happened and people were posting there. I mean, you you had up-to-date information, you had more up-to-date information that was relevant to you on that Facebook group than anywhere else you could find. I mean, more than the local news, more than the radios, more than you know, Twitter, more than anything else was on that Facebook group. And people would say like, hey, how was this street and this, you know, this cross street? And people would say, hey, we tried uh, we tried that earlier today and it's completely underwater. Or, you know, we just went through there, you know, five minutes ago and it's fine. And, and all these different things. And people were talking about where you could go to get help and all that kind of stuff. So it was really great. So if you are, if you are on Facebook, if you're one of those that like, hey, I will get on Facebook, you might want to search out your area, you know, and maybe start like if you live in the west side of your town, like west side, west Houston or whatever, maybe you could start doing that or, you know, ask some of your friends, your neighbors, hey, do you know if there's a Facebook group that is specific for our neighborhood or, or our area of town so that you can kind of get plugged in? I know as a campus administrator, when I was on the campus, I know that the neighborhood that our kids, that the kids that came to our school fed into uh, they were there was a Facebook group there, and so I know every once in a while things would would come up, and of course they would talk about the school or whatever. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that like there's a lot of neighborhoods that already have this set up, and if you are if you're not aware of it, you may be just doing a little bit of research, you can find it. So I think that's a great resource. And you know what? The, the thing about Facebook groups is you don't have to be involved in it, right? It's not like you're gonna, they're going to kick you out. You, know, you can go. You you ask to be part of it. Sometimes um, you know you have to request uh, that you join, and they approve you, and then you're just good to go. You know, there's people on the Prepper website Facebook group that really don't ever talk. You know, don't, they don't ever uh, engage or whatever. And there's other people that engage all the time. So you know, it's completely how you want to handle it. But at least you're able to see what is being posted. All right. So the other thing, the other app that he talked about next door, I think that is a great app as well. My neighbor kind of turned me on to that one a while back. And it is it is social media, but it's not like Facebook where you have to completely make a profile and all this kind of stuff. You can be on there and be pretty generic. Right. Um, and you can just you know have your name or whatever. And again, that's another one where you don't necessarily have to interact. But eventually, you know, you might want to because you're talking about stuff in the neighborhood. And so like people will talk about, hey, this, you know, the police are going to be at this stop sign because people keep running it or, or whatever. Or, hey, we're having this issue. You know, one of the reasons why I believe that we didn't flood was because there was a community action uh, action committee that that uh, came together 
to push the, the county to uh, dredge out some of the sewers and clean up some of the sewers. So when we had Hurricane Harvey, the water was able to flow a lot faster and, and more freely and didn't get you know caught up with all the junk and, and, and things like that. So it's like in an area where we don't necessarily see it, but back in the sewers and all that kind of stuff, you know, people have been throwing things for years and, and, you know, people just, you know, whatever, everything you can imagine back there. And they finally kind of dredged it out and cleaned it out. And that was one reason why the flooding wasn't as bad. I mean, we did flood. People did flood. We didn't get water in our house, but it very, it came very, very close, but it could have been a lot worse if, you know, those things wouldn't have been done. And so, you know, they kind of organized that through next door and they were getting people on board. A lot of the times people would say, hey, I found this dog or hey, I lost my dog. Here's a picture of it. You know, that type of stuff. I have, you know, I have put things like, hey, guys, I want to get rid of this item. And people will, hey, I'll swing by and pick it up. And, and people are always giving away things. When we had an issue and I needed to find a plumber, I was able to find a plumber quickly. And it was one that a lot of people in my neighborhood had already um, responded and said, yeah, this guy is good. And, and he had a lot of great reviews. And so I knew that he was close by because a lot of people had used him already. And so it, it, it did. It turned out to be a really great find. And so there's a lot of benefit from using that Nextdoor app. But again, you get to... You get to dial into your neighborhood and you get to connect with people that are, you know, in your neighborhood. And so there, there's a lot of benefit from it. Again, it is considered social media, but you don't have to give up all that information, you know, and, and you don't even have to put it on your phone. Like I had it on my old phone. I don't have it on my new phone, but I do get email updates whenever there's a, you know, like someone says this is urgent or, you know, I get like a weekly recap. And so that's always very beneficial. So if you haven't checked out Nextdoor or the Nextdoor app, you might want to do that. I, th I think uh, you might find it pretty useful. All right. So the next one is Neighborhood Watch. The third and final method for getting your community engaged is to start a Neighborhood Watch. This is a very effective little unit that can host all sorts of events as well as increase awareness of crime around the neighborhood. This group should be made up of just the right people, but it will make a huge difference when you find that group. Your neighborhood watch is about offering neighbors the ability to be more effective when they witness or suspect a crime. A walking route where neighbors stroll the neighborhood is a great way for people to get to know one another. And so, you know, I, I keep saying it's a quote. I don't know if it's necessarily a quote or more of a personal uh, story that James is sharing here. I, I think that's probably what it's more what what uh, where I'm saying quote because it's in italics I think it's probably more of a personal story so uh, he's saying here in my neighborhood we have not had duplicated the success we had with our garden or our communications the neighborhood watch is the third piece because it is the hardest it's tough to get a commitment but it's necessary we have the occasional crime and things heat up in the summer like many places what stands out is that we have many people who are on board with creating that neighborhood watch. The people want it, and we find that out by polling through next door and talking to our neighbors. I imagine a serious neighborhood watch option coming to be in the next year or so. From here, we will have all three pieces in place to begin striving towards a prepared community. So invite the local sheriff or police chief out to dinner and talk to them about your plans to create a community watch. 
you will find that these steps are easy to take and you will get great help from the local police. This will also put you in a place to operate as safely as possible. Whether you have crime or not in your neighborhood, the watch is very important to start the engine of a prepared community. So putting it all together, at the end of the day, these three functions are to work in tandem and to start the engine of communities turning again. At best, they are going to create a sense of ownership for that community, and in that, you will find so many more benefits. That said, if we ever face a time where things get way out of hand, if we face a true collapse of civility, you will have a few things that most neighborhoods won't. So let's look at these three objectives and what they can become in a time of disaster. So a post-disaster community garden. While you will never have enough food to feed your whole neighborhood, you will have a living, breathing survival seed bank in your community garden. Each tomato contains 60 or so seeds. Do the math. You can get seeds to everyone and get them growing from the plants in your community garden. What about a post-disaster communication network? The importance of communications before, during, and after a disaster are pretty simple to understand. Let me, and, and that's all he says here. Let me say a couple of other things. One of the things that I, uh, I have heard in out there with some people that are experts, they believe that if there was ever a situation where communications were going down, so let's say like the, the internet was going down, the cell phone towers were going down, uh, you know, phone lines and all that kind of stuff, maybe even the electric grid, they don't believe it would be an all all at once type thing where, you know, like you're turning off a switch and then everything goes off. They believe it would be a cascading thing where you would hear about it. And really when you, when you look at the, the docudrama American Blackout, I know I've talked about that before on other podcasts, you can go over to YouTube and you can, you can search for American Blackout and you can find that that's kind of what that what happened over there on in that docudrama. It kind of started on the East Coast and then on the West Coast and then the Texas grid. You know, Texas is uh, completely uh, you know, on a, in a grid all by itself. And then the Texas grid kind of went down. But the idea is that if you start hearing about those types of things going on, then you can go ahead and jump, you know, jump into your preparedness plans and maybe send out those last couple of communications to family and to friends and say, hey, you know, hey, we're activating our, our emergency preparedness plans. Meet at the home now. Right. Those types of things. So, you know, you have that cascading effect. So there would be able or there would be some opportunities, hopefully, to get messages out there. The other thing I wanted to say that I didn't say about the communication network is uh, one of the old school things, and I, I really heard heard about this from a coworker, is during a hurricane. I think it was Hurricane Ike. Um, they all had you know the the small little walkie talkies that you could dial in the F, FMRS uh, you know walkie talkies, and they all tuned to the same channel. And so they were able to, when the electricity went off and they didn't have, you know, this was before Nextdoor app and all that kind of stuff, but they were able to touch base with each other. And so you might have some elderly couples uh, or elderly people, like I had an elderly person next door to me who, even if she had a cell phone, probably wouldn't have known how to do, you know, texting or uh, a Nextdoor app or anything like that. But she would have been able to press a button on a walkie-talkie to let me know that she needed some help, right? Um, it would have allowed me to communicate with the, the my neighbor across the street 
She was a young single mom, and I didn't even think about it at the time. She was very scared. You know, she rode out the, the storm by herself and her daughter, and I didn't even think about saying, hey, you want to come stay over here with us and, and, and hang out with us. But at least if she would have said, no, I, you know, I kind of want to stay here and make sure everything is okay, you know, you can hand her a walkie-talkie and say, hey, here you go. Uh, keep this on Channel 7, whatever, and, you know, we'll, we'll communicate or let me know if you need anything. So that's another thing you can do that's not uh, necessarily tied to cell towers and in and, and your smartphone and things like that. Okay, so the next one is post-disaster neighborhood watch. This group can create a perimeter around the neighborhood and find ways to reinforce it. They may even be part of a group that defends the neighborhood from looters. Your neighborhood's border will be clearly defined by your watch group and you will be able to defend them with a group of leaders in times of disaster. So as a community cohesion starts to take place, you will be much more comfortable discussing things regarding preparedness. Focusing on regional threats that happen each year is a great way to get neighbors involved in a wide range of prepping. Group purchasing, building projects, meetings, fun events, mentoring, bartering yard sales. If you are looking for the full story on this idea of community cohesion and preparedness, please check out Come Unity Community. I wrote this book with the intention of creating a blueprint for making neighbor relationships and community preparedness. These are all opportunities that come from a community that is cohesive and communicating regularly. You can literally unlock the power of hundreds of families, and I simply cannot imagine a solution to the problem of today and tomorrow better than that. So the conclusion. If you take nothing else away, and I, guys, I love this, right? If you take nothing else away from this article, I hope you realize this. We just spent time talking about preparing for a disaster without ever dwelling on the disaster itself. In other words, we put three very different initiatives in place and never once used the word EMP or food storage or anything like that. This is so important. Zealots will turn people off in a heartbeat. Most of us are preparedness zealots, and it's hard not to be. Exercise some self-control, and you will be able to gain much more from a simple dialogue that screams like Chicken Little. Things do have the potential to get ugly, and maybe they will. Just don't make that your introduction when you knock on a neighbor's door. All right. Again, so that's by James Walton over at BackdoorSurvival.com. I love this article. I mean, I think it's a great article. And, uh, you know, I'm disappointed that there's not a lot more comments here because I think this is one of those things that can really help a community and really help people get prepared. And so you can, you're, you're doing all these things within the back of your mind. You're realizing, hey, I'm getting my neighborhood prepared but you're not necessarily talking about preparedness yet, right? And so all these things, you know, gardening is that gateway drug. Gardening and firearms are gateway drugs to preparedness. If you really get into those, right? If you don't just go get a firearm and, you know, lock it up somewhere and never do anything with it, uh, of course, that's not going to happen. If you really don't do anything with gardening, although you really can't do anything with gardening, but if you really do, you know, start gardening and you start looking into gardening and how to garden better and all that kind of stuff, it eventually leads to preparedness. You know, it, you start to uh, bump up against that, right? And so, inevitably, you'll start to talk about different things like that. And then when you're having your meetings, when you're having your your crime watch meetings, you can bring in 
police who are talking about crime. You can bring in, you know, uh, CERT team members who talk about that. Uh, you know, you can talk about, think about how much more easily you can communicate about a disaster coming up. Like for instance, if you have a neighborhood group or you have, uh, you know, the next door app or whatever, how much easier it is to communicate about being prepared for a hurricane or, you know, being uh, prepared for, you know, whatever might, might be got big thunderstorm or a blizzard or whatever might be coming. And so I think there's just a lot of great things that can come from this. So hopefully you see that as well. And hopefully you got some ideas that you can start to implement in your neighborhood or your area. I mean, your neighborhood might look a little bit different than most, you know, but, but think about how you could implement something like this in your area or wherever you are. Even if you're living in an apartment complex, even if you're whatever, you know, you could be doing patio patio, uh, you know, container gardening or whatever. And then at the same time, you can be sharing your, your produce with other people on the floor, you know, I don't know. So there's so many different things you can do. So again, guys, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can come check it out and uh, maybe read it a little bit more slowly and think about how you can start to implement this in your own life. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 453. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes, including that Facebook group. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.